Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to the Be A Better Ally podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. On this week, we're doing something a little bit different. I'm actually going to point you to another podcast that I have the great pleasure of working on. It's called the Unhinged Collaboration Podcast, and I have the great honor of co-hosting it alongside head of school Kathleen Nagley. The episode that I am going to point you to is an amazing conversation that we were very, very fortunate to have with a group of highly motivated, really compassionate student leaders. Now, it's quite timely that I'm asking you to check this conversation out because they just recently also published an amazing piece in Tie Online. The title of their piece is Empowering Change, the role of the Social Justice Committee. Now, here's my call to action. If you only do just one thing as the result of listening to this episode, please be sure to check out what they have shared in that article and consider doing one of two things or maybe both. Sharing that article with a group of student leaders at your school and or leaving a comment on the article. So again, that's my ask for this week. I hope that many of you by now have a sense that student leadership is something that I believe we need to be having more sustained dialogue around, asking critical questions like, how are we either motivating student leaders or how are we perhaps at times being obstacles to student leadership? Again, I think this conversation is a great one to share if you have student council, if you have a GSA, if you also have a social justice committee at your school, please do consider pointing them to this conversation. Now, while we are talking about student leadership, I have really enjoyed getting to work with some student leaders and many educators on thinking about what generative AI tools like ChatGPT what they are going to mean for our student leaders and how we can make sure that equity is a part of that conversation and really that maybe it is at the heart of that conversation. So here's my special offer. I really appreciate you tuning in and listening to this episode. So you may be aware that I have a self-paced course through Shifting Schools entitled the intersection of equity and AI. Right now it's on sale for 99 US dollars. But listener, because I appreciate you so much and because many of you who might be listening to this episode were pointed to it because you also are very passionate about student leadership. If you have a high school group that's interested in thinking more about equity and AI, I'd like to give you a free pass for this course. That's right, no strings attached. All you need to do is let me know that you are interested in getting that 99 US dollar course 100% free. You can let me know by contacting me via the email address that's over there in the show notes, and I'll get you access to that course. Um, Again, I think the course might also be applicable for those of you who have students in grade 11 or 12 that are passionate about computer science or ethics full stop. Okay, with that, let's dig into this conversation. Please welcome this incredible panel of students. I hope this provokes some great conversations back on your campus. And if you would like to learn more about this group or connect your student group with them, again, 
send me an email and I will connect you with their incredible teacher facilitator. Enjoy the conversation and thanks for listening. I'm Kathleen Negley. I've been in education for 31 years and have served as an international head of school for more than a decade. And I'm Trisha Friedman. I've been a classroom teacher, digital literacy coach, and now I consult with schools from all around the world on fostering inclusion. The Unhinged Collaboration Podcast will bring together our perspectives and questions on what it takes to go beyond just cracking the door open to more authentic, more equitable, more inclusive collaboration. Let's think bigger on ways to take the door out of the way all together. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. On today, I am very excited to let you know that our special guest is actually a panel of student guests who are here to remind us that young learners have some of the most important, most essential insight for us when it comes to rethinking teams, collaboration, trust, and more. Please welcome to the show our special student panel. Hi everyone, we're so happy to have um, these students with us today and uh, we, have, we have some questions to talk about collaboration with them and so much of the work of students um, is around collaboration and maybe they're often better collaborators than we are. Um, but as a member of uh, the Social Justice Committee, uh, to what extent do you think your understanding of collaboration has been shaped by the initiatives and action you've taken this year? I think for us, it's been about learning what we can do realistically and what we cannot do um, and just trying to do what is in our what power we have. Another aspect for me has been uh, working with all these wonderful people. Uh, <laughs> and because I come from Norway and we don't really have clubs like this. So it's been really great to see the initiative that people do take and that people are very willing to change. Well, that's that sounds great. Um, maybe you can uh, point to um, an example of something that you you've been working on um, this year where you were collaborating. Uh, we uh, organized uh, a show racism the red card, uh, and we had everyone wear red on that day, uh, and we were handing out ribbons at the gate. And I was personally really surprised about how many people actually wore red. Uh, so that was a good, a positive surprise. Yeah. Maybe you want to explain a little bit like what Show Racism the Red Card Day is or was. Yes. So it was, uh, it is an organization from the UK and it started with uh, just bringing up the topic of racism in sports. Uh, and we did uh, an event surrounding one of our football games where people painted their faces and we raised money, which we hope to uh, invest into the organization, buy shirts for the teams uh, or wristbands, whatever we can do. So it's just about raising awareness. That sounds wonderful. Some of the things that you also um, have done and generously shared were around zines, um, which you've created um, with, with others to have some learning from. The, the history of zines go back to the even the 1930s. And uh, we were wondering about, um, maybe you can speak to our listeners about 
what you kind of learned about some of the the feedback you might have received uh, on the zines you've you've already published, um, and um, how you've re- responded to some of those um, pieces of feedback. Uh, so so far, how we sort of collect feedback is through me. I send out an email every month to all the teachers, all the staff members, and say, "Hey, hey, here's a zine of." on this or that topic. Our most recent zine was about anti-Semitism following the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. And normally I would get very positive feedbacks from mostly female teachers <laughs> from our school um, <laughs> that they appreciate us just um, really taking the initiative to raise awareness among staff and how we could educate staff and adults through our perspective because this is, um, the students deal with more most of the social justice issues around the school. And that's why we wanted to create these zines in the first place. And sometimes we also get a lot of very constructive feedbacks. Like there are some technical terms regarding um, the indigenous community. We publish a zine on that one as well, where we kind of mess up the terms. And there were some teachers who were more of experts than us. So they did email back to us and say, hey, fantastic hey, fantastic, but here are the small things you could change and we change it and then re-send out these scenes and yeah. That sounds great. Uh, you you mentioned that you're often getting feedback from female teachers. It often, I, I've seen in many cases that when a lot of DEIJ work is happening, it tends to be female, non-binary and trans folks who are often kind of gathering towards these efforts. Is this what you found in your own school as well? Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. And who knows, maybe the male teachers just forgot to look at their emails. <laughs> Thank well, you. and, uh, you know, I think sometimes working with other teachers, they almost underestimate that when they send feedback, you know, both constructive criticism or just even that like, hey, I saw what you were doing. Thank you. Keep doing it. Like even just the one sentence. I know that sometimes a teacher might think like, do they really want to hear that from me? Um, And I'm wondering for one of our listeners right now who was thinking, you know what, like there is a student group at my school where someone just came and presented at a faculty meeting or again, someone did similar to what you're doing, you know, this process of publishing and sharing, which can be tough, right? Like you're putting yourselves out there when you're publishing and sharing openly So for someone who's listening and they're thinking, you know what, I avoided reaching out to that student or that student group because I kind of thought like, do they really want to hear from me? And I'm wondering if you just want to speak to, does it does it make a difference? You know, just as you were saying, like, maybe those teachers forgot to check their email. Do you read all of those messages that come in responding to your work? Yes. And I've shared it with all. Well, I tried to share it with all my um all uh, the members of this committee and most of them are very positive uh, messages and really some of them we've known these teachers personally and really getting the positive feedback or just getting a reply from them really shows that our works have been recognized and our efforts have been um, put out there and people are seeing that we've put effort in this and taking initiative and that's what makes a difference exactly if i can add to that i think any form of engagement 
really shows us that what we're doing is having an impact and it's arriving, right? Because we can send out as many zines as we could ever want to, but if we don't get any feedback, if we won't hear anything, then it kind of feels like we're sending them into a void. So if we hear something back, if we get engagement, if we see them hung up around the school, then that tells us that we're not sent doing them for nothing, um, that they're having an impact and they're being appreciated by our community. Yeah, just the empowerment of knowing that people are looking, people are seeing what we're doing and we're not alone. Yeah, in a way, it's sort of like, you know, it's a collaborative effort, the audience as your community. And and I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but, you know, Kathleen and I have also come across your zines because they've been shared via Twitter and we're both on Twitter a little bit too much. And so the response there, I would say, has been really huge. And it's been great to see that. And the zines are wonderful. Like you really are doing a great a great service. Sorry, did I just like reveal like a big secret? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've shared with them that I've posted on Twitter in my edgy network, but I mean, what does that mean to students? Uh, yes, it means is that there's a lot of middle-aged people uh, talking about <laughs> education out there. Yeah, we get excited by things like that. I can share with you all the comments. But yeah, I mean, honestly, so it's sort of like to see it also in that space, it's interesting because sometimes, you know, it's reaching people who you will never meet and you will never know that level of influence. But then also at the same time, it's I'm sure your own friendship networks as well. So I again, I just want to thank you for producing those and anyone who's listening who hasn't seen them yet, we'll be sure to include that link over there in the show notes. Um, at the heart and soul of this show is really Kathleen and I talking about power dynamics um, and how adult teams need to rethink, reimagine, get creative in terms of the ways that we share power, the way that we want to experience it. What do you think our listeners who, um, as, as far as we know, are all um, you know adults who are interested in the world of education, what do you think our listeners might be able to learn from the way your committee thinks about and experiences power structures? Um, okay, so as students, we're essentially surrounded by different power structures like at all times. But the thing is, in most of them, we don't have a large say in them. Um, so especially with our zines thing, that sort of came about because we didn't have the power to, for example, create a whole school assembly um, and things like that. So it's kind of just like a grassroots thing that our club, which is obviously very small, is doing to try and circumvent some larger power structures. And I think that's something that's a bit important is because as students, we don't always have these large voices in like systemic power structures. There needs to be a way that when students um, and other voices that aren't traditionally heard have something to say or share, that it needs to be taken seriously because it also is a leap of faith for students, especially coming to teachers that they might not always trust or know well, is that that should be taken seriously because always students do have to try and find a way around or they're silenced completely. I think that was a, a very insightful kind of look at what you're experiencing as students. Um, when you talk about um, how you are surrounded by these various power structures, and this is in many ways to kind of upturn power, but, you know, sometimes upturning power is gaining access, getting access to others. And I love that your way of doing that is through these, one way that you're doing this is through the zines, because I think it shows um, it, there's this initiative that our voice will be heard. 
um, and shown in a way that uh, is impactful, like you've already mentioned. So um, when you're thinking about, um, again, talking to other student groups out there, um, what might your advice be uh, around kind of um, circumventing power in a way that is, is not necessarily threatening, but um, gives you access? Um, so I also run some of the other uh, like socially engaged groups. So I run like the climate club at our school and things like that. And one of the reasons that our social justice committee is probably the most like effective and we get the most done at this club is, well, obviously it's small, but then also like our teacher leader, I don't know what to call it, um, <laughs> like has like a lot of faith that we can do. It sort of goes back to the idea of getting feedback that it's super nice to know that what you're doing has worked so you can continue doing in the past. And then also this idea of sort of taking the small ways out. So in the climate um, club as well, we had a school-wide event and um, we were having a lot of trouble organizing something large. So instead we made a small guessing game and gave out card games inspired by our work and climate, like the climate emergency and stuff. So it's just all of these small little actions over time, they'll add up and they'll allow you to get around the huge blockades that you'll reach otherwise. That's, that's, that's amazing. And um, it's something that at my school, something we're always kind of talking about, how do we remove adult supremacy from teaching and learning in schools, how, how do we how do we um, look at empowering students? And you mentioned your your teacher leader. I'm I'm wondering how it feels to maybe someone else can also talk about this as well. Um, how it feels to co-create possibly with Miss um, Goodson. I think the great thing is that like when we have meetings, it feels like we're equal, and mm -hmm. she actually wants to listen to us and takes our opinions into consideration. And it's not like she makes the decisions. We all make decisions together. And she's kind of a tool for us to know um, what we need to do and who we need to contact, how we can accomplish our goals. And she also respects like our plans. Um, she kind of disregards her teacher supremacy role. <laughs> she mm -hmm. sees us as equal human beings, just as she is. So that's what makes it comfortable and effective mm -hmm. in the first place. I think that's great advice to to give to other to other schools and, and other teacher advisors. And I'm wondering, I wonder if we can just dig a little bit deeper at, you know, again, that idea of respect and, you know, this description of feeling like you're really being listened to, right? And I think if you've experienced that, it's like, you know, right? So folks who are listening and like, they're thinking like, I know what that's, I know what that experience is like, right? But for sure, we will have some listeners who are thinking, well, I assume students that work with me feel that experience that maybe they don't. Hmm. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit more about how has that trust been cultivated or what what are you seeing or hearing or feeling that's different in that environment whereas you were saying it's sort of like i know that you value my opinion because you know some people again might hear that and think well of course of course my students know that right and it's such a dangerous assumption because i think it's one that you know when i've worked with student groups it's sort of like maybe we got to that place of trust but trust is something like you have to continually nurture, right? It's like for me in middle age now with exercise, I can't like 
exercise a certain amount of time and then it stays and I can quit exercising, right? It's like, unfortunately, I'm still going to have to do it forever. And I think trust is the same. You can't just get to a level and then assume it will be here for forever. So for some of our, our teacher listeners who are hearing you and they're thinking, I'm not sure that is what I have. Can you talk a little bit more just to the specifics of this is how you'll know, like trust is in this space. These are some of the things that will or will not happen. What really stands out about this teacher leader is that they lead with empathy and they lead from a place of genuine understanding. And of course, this isn't something that uh, each person has. Uh, they have their own she, they have their own experiences that they bring to the table and that allow them to relate with us. And as you said, trust uh, is continually built up. And this teacher leader has incredible attention to detail and a very conscientious memory. And when you mention something in a session, uh, in a conversation, then they will bring it back up and they will make sure to follow up and they will take initiative on what you are feeling. Because oftentimes we as students don't necessarily have the bureaucratic knowledge to know how to improve this on a wide school scale. We just know what we feel. We know how we've been hurt. And this teacher leader is able to take that hurt and understand it and understand how to effectively and without making it our problem, without the students having to make a workshop, how to bring in teachers, how to build um, a system such as an email to report to. And that what that is what makes us feel seen and heard is that mm-hmm. this, this detail, this intentional remembering that is continued and shown time and time again and additionally, she understands what we want in the space in a physical sense, um, just a relaxed room setting. And she also asks us if we are comfortable over and over again until we are sure we're in a place that everyone's needs are met and that everyone is comfortable. And that continual questioning, because like you said, it changes with age, changes with time. Um, and even our group name um, has changed to ensure that everyone feels it is accurate, it is every detail like I keep saying it's it's all in the detail so and then also just like on kind of a smaller and like more day-to-day thing is that we have trust that extends beyond like the confines of our meetings right like if I want to show up and be like you know what just announce something dramatically like my opinions on the French Revolution or whatever I did that day after school I can just show up and talk about it complain or just ask questions about things that are concerning in my life and that I trust like the person leading our group to be there for everything, even if it's not SJC related. So that's super nice and helpful as well. Yeah. So there's a sense of empowerment and unequal power between teacher student, which kind of scares people, scares yeah, me. And the active pursuit of students' opinion, I think, is what we notice. We notice when teachers are maybe just answering questions because we went to them and we're pushing, but for the teachers to push is also extremely important. Yeah, to add to that, a lot of times we see, we, we go and we talk to teachers and we tell them things and it seemingly goes in one ear and out the other. And then the next day we see them taking actions that completely contradict what we were telling them the day before. And we see this all the time because they're, they're like happy to listen to us. They're happy to come talk to us. But then when it comes to them taking action, they haven't actually heard what we were trying to tell them and they go and do something that we weren't in support of. So I think that's something that is really important in a trusted teacher is that they actually try 
to hear what we're saying and to then use what we're telling them to put into their actions and to put into what they're then doing. And what you're saying, you know, Kathleen, I'm willing to bet this resonates for you too. you know, this also happens all the time in like educator to educator, just as I'm sure, you know, peer to peer, right? That can happen. And I'm curious to get your thoughts if you if you care to share on that breakdown can happen or again as you were just describing it's like maybe i've shared something or you've asked for my opinion i've taken the time to invest and tell you but then the next day it's like oh why did i make that time investment but in these dynamics you know you you continue to have to coordinate collaborate and i'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how do you navigate that piece when there's been a disruption to the trust either you care about this person and you want to keep working together or we have to continue working together for one reason or the other. Do you have any thoughts on how folks can, how do we keep moving together? I think having a goal like ours is important because we know that we don't really have a choice in collaborating with teachers and leaders, even regardless of what differences we have, we really have to put the past behind us um, because we know that in the end it's not gonna be effective and if we want to see actual change we need to keep moving forward and looking at the next step we can make and for me i i mostly agree but i think slightly a bit stronger that um we don't have a choice even if we really feel that a relationship has been broken because there really is no other option like you mentioned but also just on a larger scale right the things that we're fighting for are personal to each of us so if we decide that hey our trust has been broken with this person or we can't work with them in that moment in the longer term if we truly want to make an impact for a positive impact for our own communities we don't have a choice and i think it's this idea of like we have something to fight for and because we have a cause to fight for we have to put everything into that fight I think that also comes from us being a really amazing group because <laughs> I know that if if I'm not comfortable speaking to a certain teacher or a certain leader, I have four people here who will do that either with me or for me and who are totally willing to do that for me. And I think that that really comes with this sort of group is that we're all very close and we're all willing to fight for and with each other on these topics. And that also helps with that kind of thing. Yeah, the the whole point, I guess, of having the committee, right, is having is having that network. Um, you know, a podcast episode it can, in a way, serve as like a little mini time capsule. Like that's what I love about podcasting is we can create an archive, similar to what you're doing with the zines. This conversation that we're having in this moment, it might be a tool for learning for someone in your committee in in your committee or someone who's not a part of your committee but will be in the future. Um, what is a message you you would like to share to this group for next academic year or somebody who's even listening to this? Sounds like a sci-fi episode right now, like two or three years into the future, someone who might be listening to this and wanting to hear, you know, what was happening historically in the group. Because what you've described is, you know, it's it's palpable how much you care about your group, how passionately you feel about the causes that you're fighting for. So if you could travel back in time and give your own committee some advice, 
what advice would you share related to building and fostering community? Because even just chatting with you for like 30 minutes, Kathleen and I can sense it. Like, you know, you truly believe in this team that you've co-created. So for listeners who are wanting to do that same thing or aspire to it, what words of wisdom might you offer them? Um, so I think that something that we've all learned this year, if we did everything the way it was really supposed to happen, we would not ever get anything done. If we went through all the chains of command and we took up all of our designs to the top of the leadership, we would never release them because they would get stuck at every level and they would never move on, right? So what we've done is we kind of just released them, right? We just put them out there. We didn't ask. We didn't let anyone know. We put them out there. Of course, we, we checked with people who had concerned if they were factually accurate, if they were good to put out. But besides for that, we didn't ask for permission to put them out. So I think that that's something that I wish we would have known also in other clubs, because I know that we're all part of other clubs, is to just kind of find ways to go around the bureaucracy mm -hmm. and to just do things and to make things happen. And I think that's something that a lot of clubs at our school are trying to do and trying to learn right now yeah that's like a short saying you know like i'd rather ask for forgiveness <laughs> than for permission exactly and i think you can build trust too and if you build trust with the leadership then you have a lot more wiggle room to kind of just override them because in essence it's not always necessary and i think once you understand like uh here i said to check the facts to check those things that's what matters but to show it to the stakeholders they rarely have the time really so i think it's about you know, just being brave and just knowing, trusting yeah. yourself and trusting that, you know, the people at the top aren't always efficient with time. And I also think that, like, if you have anything like a cause to fight for, mm -hmm. you're never alone in this. You might be alone for a very short amount of time. I mean, when Social Justice Committee started out, it was two people. And then... <laughs> Um, some people left because they thought nothing is done and this is kind of boring. Why is it just the two of us? But then, look, we've got five now <laughs> and you're never alone in this. There will always be people for you, with you. I just have to have faith in yourself. And again, dodge the bureaucracy. If no adults are on your side or nobody else is on your side, just do whatever you want on your own. And, you know, if yeah. not you, who else? Yeah. And of course... While being respectful in that but <laughs> initiative is key initiative is the only way anything will happen so don't wait around be brave take courage i, I think what you're saying is actually you know uh, very beautiful and what you know if you're if you're in the social justice um movement waiting for others to do this work um is waiting for it to fail um so that that you must rise up and um seek the changes that you need to have happen in your community um, speaks to the vulnerability of this group as well, that your lives and your identities may be at stake. And it's it's worth taking the chances to, to maybe not do things through the, the typical um, power structures, because the typical power structures um, in many schools uh, are oppressive to students. And so saying that, um, we, we're going to um, find a way to go around power so that our vulnerability and our needs can be really heard and seen, I think is, is incredibly courageous work. And I commend uh, your team for the things you've been you've been doing, because um, it's, um, you know, there's a, a 
a quote by Audre Lorde that you, you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. And, and this is kind of what you're saying. We can't, we can't make big changes in school doing the things that we've always done in the past and using the same channels as we've done in the past. Real resistance takes courage and takes bravery. So well done. There's also this idea that like with people our age, you know, like that yeah. we're going to change the world, right? And the idea behind it is that we're fighting because we have nothing left to lose, which I think kind of misrepresents it because I think we are at the age where we understand how much we have to lose. Like I'm from the US and with, you know, abortion rights going away and stuff like that, we are actively seeing things that our parents have taken for granted going away. And so I think that we're fighting because we have so much left to lose and we know the price of like what it took to get to this point. And so I think that's super motivating and really important when we're going around. Like that is part of our motivation is we can't go back. Yeah. And those assumptions about like, oh, it will just get better on its own, quite dangerous. Or as you were just saying, oh, because we had a right, we'll always have it, you know, also incredibly misleading. Um, I am willing to bet that there will be folks listening to this who are thinking, I would love to connect some of my students with your group. Um, and I know you don't want to just, or maybe you do, maybe you want to be bombarded with like emails and uh, fan mail, so to speak. Right. Um, but are there, are there certain things that you, that you know that you will be focused on in the next few months where it's like, this actually would be a great connection if your group is working on or thinking about or asking questions or researching, um, do you want to tell folks specifically, please reach out to us if. Um, so as it's coming up to February in about this week, actually, um, we're, well, I've taken the initiative uh, with the help of Social Justice Committee to create a huge program for Black History Month and that we want teachers to take into, we have, you know, homerooms. I don't know if every school listening will have this system, but each morning you go to a room and kind of sit around, take the register. And it's kind of free time that we want to put in um, celebration of Black culture, Black history, everything into this time during Black History Month. And each week had different themes such as, you know, um, Black and African music, Black and African theatre and actors and so on and so forth. But essentially, I'd love to just reach out if people have um, any resources or contacts or foundations that we could help our school with doing workshops and just people to connect with um, online, you know, internationally, um, so that this can be something that I can really leave a legacy and I can really leave educated people that can help the school do this well uh, once I'm gone, as it's not um, an enormous Black community. So I'd really love, if anyone listening, um, can, you know, let us know uh, any foundations as such. And yeah, pass over to you. We're also doing a huge, well, there's a huge conversation going on about anti-Semitism. Um, so that's taking a lot of work, both from the school and then from our committee that it's been a lot of back and forth emails, meetings. It's been it's a personal topic, but also we live in Germany. Right. So it's an even bigger topic. And then globally, um, the world is slowly forgetting about the Holocaust. But like recently, they have said a third of the Netherlands like doesn't you know have knowledge on the Holocaust and stuff like that. So that's been a huge thing that we're pushing for at our school with Holocaust education and responses to anti-Semitism and stuff like that. So if people have resources or ways that in their own schools they've worked on these topics, that would be greatly appreciated too. Yeah, and I think just to add to what the students are saying, um, we want this work to be all year round, not just like specific days, specific months. So 
you know, Lola has been great at like saying teachers, staff members, can we please do this long term? We don't want to just celebrate this in February. So even though I know that this show will be published in the middle of Black History Month, it's something we want to continue. And same with the work of addressing anti-Semitism. You know, we have lots of pop um, icons who continue to be in the news about anti-Semitic uh, remarks and like actions. And it's just, it's real. So it, we need to keep doing this all the time, not just specific times of the year. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, hopefully listeners, please do reach out. Um, we really appreciate your time coming on the show, sharing your insight and the story. And I, I love that the word legacy came up. Um, you know, it's kind of I hope that this show serves as like a little piece of the history that you can share years to come about this legacy that you have co-created. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, it's been our pleasure for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Our pleasure also. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for generously giving up your time to listen to our amazing panel. The zines that you heard them refer to, there's a link over there in the show notes. Ways to connect with this amazing group. See you again soon.